Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that through your grace, we would be transformed to look as Christ, to live as he lived and to reflect his goodness in the world. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be only acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Let us please be seated. Goodness. <clears throat> this weekend I decided a good project would be to finally finish the work I've been doing in our bathroom. I got most of it done, but I had a few little more, few more things that I had to do, one of which was put down new flooring, because the flooring that was there was, were those little square tiles that are kind of fake wood. Um, you've probably seen them, because I, if sometimes for fun I look at other houses on, on the internet and see what, what they've done just to get ideas, and, and every house in this area has those little square tiles in it that are kind of awful. <clears throat> so I finally finished most of it off, of course, like any do-it-yourself project, there's still, as, as they say, one more day of work to do on it, but that'll probably be the case until the kingdom comes. <clears throat> but despite that, the bathroom looks radically different. The bathroom has been transformed and renewed, if you will, just by these little wor- this work that I did over the weekend. <clears throat> Now, on Wednesday at Staff Bible Study, somebody asked me, well, why didn't we start right at verse 1 of chapter 12? And, and part of this was just to avoid the temptation of just spending the whole sermon on verse 1, which is an amazing little verse. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. But I do want to mention what happens in verse 2 because that gives us a preface to the whole crux of Paul's argument this morning. Paul continues into verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 2 gives us this light or, or understanding as to what Paul is about to jump into. This renewal of the mind is the center of Paul's whole argument in the rest of chapter 12. The renewal of the mind isn't just like a refreshing or an awakening. It's the renewal of the mind that we might look more and more like Christ each and every day. But how is this done? Paul continues and writes, for by grace, or to put it in another way, through grace. Think for a moment about what sleep does for your body. After my fun adventure in the bathroom these past two days before coming back to work this morning, my whole body still hurts, by the way. (laughs) But when I finished, I, I just wanted to rest and to sleep. Sleep really requires nothing of you except that you lay down and close your eyes and let sleep overcome you. And yet sleep does so much for you. If you get a good night's sleep, you are renewed. Your mind and your muscles. Your mind, you wake up in the morning, perhaps if you're like me, you need a cup or three of coffee. But your mind and your, your muscles 
start to feel better than they did the night before. But all you had to do was close your eyes. You didn't do anything beyond that. Paul's exhortation this morning is through grace. It is not through your willpower that we do any of these things. It is not, if you've worked in corporate America any time in the last 20 years, a smart goal, if you will, you know, smart or specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. It's not a smart goal. What he's calling us to is only done through the grace which comes through Christ. It is like sleep where we merely have to embrace it. And so, Paul starts off. It is through grace that you are called to humility. He tells us to have a sober judgment or a reasonable understanding of who you are. Are you aware of the depth and breadth of your sin? Are you aware of your need for a savior? Are you aware of your brokenness outside of Christ, of your spiritual death and separation from God without Christ? Are you aware that all the good gifts which you possess, including faith, come through Christ, through grace? This is at the crux of all that Paul is getting at this morning, that all happens through grace. And therefore, be humble and sober-minded about who you are. He continues that through grace, we are one body. And this is an amazing statement. Pause for a moment and think about, just think about our church. We're a pretty homogenous group of people here at All Saints. We're, we're all, or most of you are retired and of the same ethnicity, same backgrounds, or similar backgrounds. But as you, as you kind of get to start to know each other, you realize everybody has different gifts and are different people. But then zoom out and just think about our denomination. Each church is a little different. Every person in that church is a little different. And you zoom out even further and think about Orthodox Anglicanism throughout all of America, all the different groups and denominations, throughout the whole world. And suddenly we start to see vast differences between the people. Not to mention the worldwide church as a whole outside of Anglicanism and within Anglicanism. Or the communion of saints throughout all time. Think about that for a second. Different ethnicities, different languages, different countries, different cultures, different socioeconomic realities. But one faith binds us. One body are all of us together. One purpose. Those vast differences build us into one body for the sake that we would glorify God through grace. St. Paul really likes this body analogy, which he uses today and and elsewhere. And in, in 1 Corinthians, he unpacks it even a little further. That... There are, the, there are various, various body parts, and they're each equally important. The hand, the foot, the nose, the eyes, the mouth, the ear are all 
vitally important. And he goes on to say, you know, if you're an eye, don't pretend that you're a mouth. I, I don't know off the top of my head exactly what the wording are, and I didn't bother to write it down. But regardless of which part of the body it is, you're equally important. So don't want to be a hand if you're a foot. And think for a second. The devastation of losing the use of even just one eye. If you lose one eye, you no longer have good depth perception. <clears throat> we don't need to experience losing one part of our body in order to know how devastating it is. And so on the reverse side, each of your gifts, whatever they be, in the body of Christ is vitally important. And that they are used through grace. Not by our willpower, but through the gift that God has given us. St. Paul goes on in verses 6 through 8 to kind of spell out what these gifts are. And you are called to use them, as we said, for his glory. For the transforming of your mind and the minds of the people around you. For the transforming of our community. Through grace. Through grace, you are transformed, and these are the marks of transformation. He goes on in verse 9 through 21-ish to spell out what each and every one of these marks are. It is by no means an exhaustive list, but it points to what we are being transformed to, what the renewal of the mind looks like, what it looks like, to have the mind of Christ through grace. Now, as we read this list, it's perhaps helpful to think of them as questions and of things that might convict you and say, oh, there's a point that I need to grow. There's a point that I haven't been growing in. And then to repent and to throw yourself upon Christ. So is your love genuine? Does it look like this? Do you abhor what is evil? Do you hold fast to what is good? The world says so much is good and all right. So much evil is okay. That rage and wrath and lust and anger and gluttony are all things that just are natural. Flee these things. Give no place to them in your life. Hold fast to the good things to your spouse, to your children, whether they be at home or a thousand miles away, whether you've talked to them this week or haven't talked to them in years. Pray for them. Pray for reconciliation if you need to. Tell them that you love them. Hold fast to your church. Make the Sunday gathering a priority in your lives. Do you have brotherly affection for the people sitting next to you? Do you have a deep, dear love and care for each person in this building and those who are home today because they could not get out? Do you strive to outdo one another by showing honor? This is perhaps one of my favorite commandments in Scripture just because the imagery is so wonderful. It's as though you would compete with one another to show honor. Don't grumble if somebody makes a mistake. Don't try and tear them down, but build them up and show them honor. And likewise, when you are, are convicted or, or challenged, show honor to the person that convicts you 
or challenges you. Strive to outdo one another as though it was a competition. St. Paul continues, and the question would be, are you slothful in zeal or fervent in spirit and in service to the Lord? Don't be lazy, but passionately serve the Lord, whatever your ability is. If you can only pray, spend time praying. If you can do things for the Lord, get out and do them. Make church a priority. Make Christian compassion a way of life. Do you rejoice in hope? Are you patient in tribulation? Remain hope-filled always. Don't spend time feeling bad for yourself when things are hard or don't turn out how you want to. My friends, if you are in Christ, you know the end. Christ returns and is victorious. Are you constant in prayer? Someone once suggested that I set a timer so that I would remember to start making a habit of prayer throughout the day. Are you constant in prayer? Do you contribute to the needs of the saints? Do you rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep? You can only do this by sharing your life with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can only do this by delving deeply into the messiness of other people's lives. So often our default is to be jealous of those who rejoice and to scoff at those who weep. But the Christian is called to rejoice with those and to weep with those just as Christ does for you. Do you live harmoniously? Do you associate with the lowly? It is often so tempting to associate with those who are powerful and right and and have things that we want. But here Paul tells us to associate, not with those that can give us anything, but with the lowly. Do you repay evil with evil? Or do you do what is honorable in the sight of all? Are you doing all that is possible to live peaceably with those around you? You can't control what others do, but you can, through grace, control your actions. Paul continues and finishes out this section with verses 19 to 21. He writes, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you heap burning coals upon upon his head. Now these two verses in 19 and 20 are really difficult. I think we can all agree that they're really difficult. If we've ever faced, and many of us are, some sort of deep and hard, heavy hardship, we hear these words and we think, how could we possibly love those enemies? How could we possibly be kind to them, to feed them? But the calling, including everything we've read up until now, is that we would become more and more like Christ. All of this is that so through grace you may become like Christ. 
Now, to really fully understand the crux of the argument that Paul makes here in these two verses, we have to backtrack to to chapter 5, where Paul writes about the nature of Christ's salvation for us. He writes, God shows us his love, his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we still had our, our backs turned to God, while we were still God's enemy, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, came into the world to live among us, came into the world as a man. He lived these things which may seem so hard that St. Paul has just described. Think about it for a minute. Jesus' love was genuine, is genuine. Jesus was fervent in spirit. Jesus rejoiced in hope. Jesus was patient in tribulation. We see that Jesus was constant in prayer. We see that Jesus contributed to the needs of God's people. We see that Jesus blessed those who cursed him. We saw him rejoice with those who rejoiced and weep with those who wept. He lived harmoniously and associated with the lowly. He did all that was possible to live peaceably. Jesus has fulfilled these things which Paul wrote this morning. While the world sneered at him, mocked him, hung him upon a cross, he died there for you, completing all of these things. And so, This is the argument that Paul is trying to drive home this morning. And in fact, throughout the book of Romans. Because Christ has done all these things, because Christ died for you, your mind can be transformed to look like Christ's mind through grace. Because Christ has done all of this, you have been made part of his body throughout all time and throughout the world. This has been done through his grace. Because Christ has done all of this for you, you are given a spirit that you, you are given the spirit that you might learn obedience and be sanctified through grace. Because Christ has saved you, you are called to mimic him through grace, through his spirit. Our hope is not that we can be vengeful, that we can have some revenge for the things that have happened to us, but to know that God will judge the unjust and that at the end of times there will be justice. And so just as Christ moved towards us while we were still enemies, We are called to show compassion, the same compassion he has shown us. Verse 21, the final verse of our chapter, is already complete. Do not, Paul writes, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is what Christ has done and what Christ will do in 
the world. Christ has overcome evil in the world by his good. And so by abiding in him, you will overcome evil. St. Paul's whole epistle to the Romans presents us with a view of God's grace and how it has worked in our lives even before you knew him. Paul now calls you to obedience to Christ through grace in order that you might be renewed, that you would reflect Christ in this world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.